between the time when the oceans drank Atlantis and the rise of the sons of Arius, there was an age undreamed of. And unto this mass movement, destined to bear the jeweled crown of geekdom upon its troubled brow, it is we, mass movement's chroniclers, who alone can tell thee of its saga. Let us tell you of the days of geek adventure. Okay, we are rolling. We're rolling. Movement presents. Movement presents. Hello from lockdown and welcome to Mass Movement Presents, sponsored by the mighty Engineer Records. Welcome to lockdown, life in the lockdown. To the geographical left of me, somewhere near Ardmore and fresh from his scrapping at the beach, is Mass Movement head honcho Tim. The Bobby Heenan tomorrow under the giant. How are you doing, Tim? You okay? Bobby Heenan's still under the giant. I've got my one-life star call me. <laughs> hey, at least in the brains this time. <laughs> no, but if, if I'd actually gone to a bar, I wouldn't do with that. Uh, so we've been beavering again once again to put together another great show for you featuring all the chat from Geekdom and beyond. We'll be talking Artemis Fowl, the original Star Wars trilogy, House of X, and we'll be debuting a new regular feature where we take a deep dive on a particular band. And we're about to start this episode then with uh, New York Hardcore Star Wars, Sick Roll. Sick and all. Yeah, there's no better place to start really, is there? Uh, yeah, we could start with Black Flag or Circle Jerks or something, or maybe we've lost a fun. I think we'll start with Sick and Roll. Yeah, yeah. But first of all, before all that, we mentioned it earlier, uh, Tim is mad as hell, and he's not going to take it anymore. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! What is it, Tim? Beach Bastards and Barbellins. Beach Bastards and Barbellins. Yep. Right, so... I sent a t-shirt. Beach <laughs> <laughs> Everybody said, let's Let's all have some fun. Then all the knobheads descend on it en masse. You I mean, you saw what happened in, in Bournemouth, right? Yeah. Yeah? And what happened in Ogmore? Yeah. All the youths got together, the Roy just came off the valley, had a bit of a scrap, because they couldn't keep their hands to themselves, because they couldn't help themselves. They were a bunch of monkeys. It, it's, it's beyond ridiculous, anyway. I mean, before they, I mean, Wales has been pretty good during lockdown, I think, in, in, in yeah. general. We've been sort of a couple of weeks behind England, sort of following the Scottish way of doing oh, things. Yeah. And we yeah. had a pretty good reputation, I think, but all that sort of went out the window the last weekend when the, the big fight down Rogmore, wasn't there? Oh, mate, it was just, it was a nightmare. I'm, what, eight miles from Rogmore? Yeah. Yeah. So, it was like all kicking off the next day. So, uh, all you saw on my, my Facebook feed was full of, oh, do you see what was happening in Rogmore last night? Do you see what was happening in Rogmore last night? And it was just, you know... How can you even criticise people going to Bournemouth when this happens on your doorstep? Exactly, yeah. yeah. It's just it's, it's just one and the same. It's um, embarrassing, it's selfish, it's... Uh, yeah. You know. Well, think it, how, how people now, when, take, take Bournemouth, for example, are going to... The spike's going to go up, it's going to be an upward spike. Yeah. Right? And now it's all going to in bars. And everywhere where bars have opened, where you can go inside or you can book a table or you can do something... Everywhere it's happened, cases went to the roof. Everywhere. Yeah. California, so it was all the bars in yesterday because they changed the spike in train of the corona spike in California back to bar. And now they're open bars inside there. It's mental. Yeah. Absolutely mental. It's just absolutely suffering. 
that works perfectly. Everyone can do that. Yeah. You know, but okay. hopefully the pubs and the bars, it's too soon and we're going to get a second spike and more people are going to die because, unfortunately, our government don't have a clue what they're doing and they just don't listen to reason. Yeah, I think you know, the priorities are all wrong. I mean, we still can't fully see family. I mean, as of today, we can see one extra family or one extra household now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This is Wales now. We're talking Wales. So, but I mean, you know, but, yeah, but, the, but the bars can open. You know, I can't go see multiple family members, but the bars can open. It's well, just... Bars aren't open in the It's just they're, they're just open in England. But, yeah, but it's, it's not far beyond, is it? No, it's not far beyond, but until you can see, until you can actually associate with all your family, why would you want to be in the company of a stranger? Yeah, exactly, well, yeah. If you're close to a stranger, then you can't somebody who you spent your, you know, your life growing up on. It's just absolute nonsense. Yeah. It makes no sense, and it's just an economic decision over people's lives, and it's people putting the economy before life. And, I mean, I understand there's a need to get the economy up and running. I, mean, I really do. But I think their life is more precious, and the people matter more than money. And yeah. unfortunately, our government doesn't seem to agree with that, so fuck them. Yeah, as ever, fuck them. Yeah, fuck them. Oh, we, we don't like F-bombs on you, but uh, we drop them when they're needed. Indeed, yeah. Well, yeah, that, that was one that was needed, especially. Yeah, yeah. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! But anyway, on to happier things, Splash yeah. Mountain. Yeah, so Splash Mountain, it's been reimagined, hasn't it? Redesigned. It's sort of... So the, the ride is the same? Yeah, yeah, the ride is absolutely the same. Yeah, so the ride is exactly the same, but thematically it's going to be Princess and the Frog on the inside, which suits it perfectly to its, you know, Princess and the Frog's place in New Orleans. And of course, it takes yeah. that sort of uncomfortable element about Splash Mountain out, I guess. Um, yeah. I've been Splash Mountain a couple of times. Um, the first time I went, it wasn't actually open. So I rode in 2015 and 2019 last year. Okay. And when we went on the first I'm sorry, it's where you want to go on the first name, but it was, it was right I got um, fast passes off the tube running it. Oh, right, yeah. Because I turned up in a green lantern t-shirt. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Didn't you say the guy um, shouted you out? Yeah, well, he, started, he started doing the green lantern off and I finished it off and he gave me a bunch of fast passes for Splash Mountains. Beautiful. the ride, isn't it, and making it more, um, uh, focusing more on, on a more modern movie rather than something that yeah. was, you know, from back yeah, in the time. Yeah, it's a, it's a, the last time I saw Song of the South. I've never seen it. You've never seen it? No. Wow. No, no. I saw, uh, I've seen it on I mean, GHS when I was, when I was a kid. I like, you know, I... Disney Island, stuff like Roth, I've Disney Island, all that kind of stuff, used to be BBC One. Yeah. I believe. Um, 
Well, he used to play um, that clip of Sifty Dude all the time. Yeah, yeah. That's his film animation. And that's what my staff comes I've seen. I couldn't even tell you the story. Wow, okay. Literally. So, you know, it's there. Uh, well, we're all for it. I mean, it's just a positive thing, isn't it? We're, we're all behind that. Yeah, and it's a, it's another reason for us to get back out there now. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I I need another reason to spend my life out there. You know what I mean? <laughs> they wouldn't need to change anything. We just we we want to go out there anyway. We don't need reasons. I want to be here. Put my chair. I want to live here now. <laughs> okay, cool. So um, this week, I mean, there's been some big news in the sort of uh, DC universe, hasn't there? With Michael Keaton uh, apparently in talks to return to the Batman role. You're not, a Keaton, you're not a Keaton as Batman fan, are you? No, not at all. I remember no, we, had, we had a conversation about this before. Yeah. Um, I mean, everybody raves about Keaton as Batman. I don't think it's the fact that Keaton's Batman. I think it's the fact that it was a Batman film during that time period. And could have been anybody. It wouldn't matter who it was. So it's more the, more the movie he was in, not, not yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. how he played it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The actual actor. I, I, um, I, don't, I just don't... Really, I know it's like healthy for some people, but I, I think he's just fascinating. I, I personally, I prefer to see Affleck carry on as Batman. Yeah, that would be that. That would be my close second. I mean, I'm really, I'm, I'm excited to see uh, Keaton back. I like Keaton as an if, actor. Um, if they go, I think they'll go. Keaton, it could be great. Yeah. Because I think what they're going to do, what I'm hoping they'll do, is they'll give him Phantom of the Dark Knight. Yeah, we should probably clarify. This is for the uh, the Flash movie, the upcoming Flash movie, isn't it? Uh, this is yeah, not, yeah. this is so. There's the Batman with Robert Pattinson uh, in the works. Yeah. Um, well, this Flashpoint, That's right, yeah. And you'd be playing alongside uh, Ezra Miller. Kind of a retro story, but updated by Jeff Johns, I believe. Right, got you, yeah, yeah. Um, it's a great story, it's just, I, yeah, I just, hmm, I'm not sure about the wisdom of bringing Keaton back in, it feels like a desperation play. Yeah, I, I can see what you mean with that, yeah. It's relying on sort of the retro thing, isn't it? Relying on, you know, in case all else fails, at least we've got Keaton. <laughs> touched on earlier which we're excited about too um, obviously Keaton with in this as well so it's all happening uh, the Batman world Affleck's back for um, Justice League he's done some reshoots on that 
Of course he did, yes. Yeah, yeah. The uh, Snyder reshoot, yeah. Yeah, and he's buffed up a bit more than just like reshoot styles. So I don't know whether he's going to be doing like uh, one of these really dark sort of HBO style yeah. um, Batman, Batman series, which would be really cool if he did. And, you know, I'd go see it. Well, we've all said that on, on this cast, we've said a bunch of times we'd love to see that sort of grizzled veteran beat down Batman. And I think Affleck yeah. is that. He's the right age, the right sort of build, the right sort of. He's the right actor for it, isn't he? Yeah, he, he's, he's the Batman who's been doing it for 20 years. He's the Batman who's seen everything and been there on the streets and just. It's become his. You know, his life has become. He's become Batman. He's Batman rather than Bruce Wayne, you know, at this point. Um, yeah. So I'm just, I'm hoping that it works out that way and that, you know, after I get his Batman back on. Yep, sounds good to me. Cool. Sounds good to me. Hi, this is Barney Veer from Night Farm Death, and through my many years of association, you're listening to Mass Movement. Moving on, um, another big movie that's going to be coming out uh, in October is the Black Widow movie. So, with that in mind, oh, yeah. with that in mind, we thought we'd have a little look at the evolution of the character Black Widow. Well, Natalia Romanoff, as she first appeared, now Natasha Romanova. So she debuted in uh, 1964. I mean, she was a she was a Stanley creation. Yeah. 1964. She debuted in Tales of Suspense, number 52. Yeah. What was your long time Iron Man? Yes, well, that's she, right. She, yeah. She's she basically like one of those. Um, she's like a handicap. So she sent to the US along with. Uh, do we do do this with the Crimson Dynamo at the time? Yeah. Being sort of a vague Tony Stark secret dungeon and just you know charming charming death and like oh Russian seductress goes to America I now steal American capitalist secrets go back to Russia oh, 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 oh. <laughs> so she wasn't you know a secret super spy or anything like that she was just a sort of two dimensional Matahari sort of figure yeah I don't know the character worked uh, back then but they sort of retconned her history now so they you know she was trained in the Red Room and she was trains an assassin and she's trained as a secret super spy and she's like the toughest in the world that works but she's been to the ring her back you know she in her original chronology she saw her husband murdered in front of her who she already thought was dead and turned out to be the right guardian that's right yeah, yeah. Know, like the uh, Russian equivalent of a super soldier and as the right guardian in this new film played by the mighty David Harbour yes I'm wondering if what kind of link are they going to make there are they going to how are they going to approach that sort of relationship yeah yeah it's interesting to see that it's a result of the, that yeah, cold war isn't it that, her character is the result of like the, the cold war and Stan really sort of capitalising on that abs- yeah absolutely it's the whole red under the bed scandal you know? yeah so, yeah yeah the whole cold war paranoia. America you know and, and American superiority like Tony Stark look at me I have a moustache I am awfully charming yeah <laughs> the, I have lots of money I am charming I have a moustache of course I'm a lady and I shall make all the ladies swoon and I shall make Black Widow fall under my spell. <laughs> so, I am not a fan of Iron Man until, until like the late 90s either. Not a fan of Iron Man until the late 90s? No, no, not the comic books, not at all. I just think Tony Stark's uh, an absolutely reprehensible, selfish, spoiled brat. Yeah, until yeah. Until he gets some sort of self-awareness, sort of self he's not a character you can actually relate to because he's a perpetual 17 year old 
years yeah do you think they realised that I mean as you say in the late 90s when they do you think they realised that he was you know this guy's not a likeable guy and they, had, think, they had to sort of go backwards and rethink him a little bit well I think part of that's by design because you've got you know he's a perfect countermeasure to Captain America who's a completely likeable guy yeah. you can't dislike Captain America yeah Can you, he's just he's just Cap he's just Steve Rogers even though I had this discussion I think it was Mark Miller years and years and years ago and he'd just written The Ultimates. Right, yeah. And there's that famous panel in, in The Ultimates where um, Captain America's beating the crap out of like, um, Hydra and terrorists. So he's hit them with his shield and he screams on them, do you think this A stands for France? Right? Mm. Which they're really like sort of low-brow, Really, that's an uncomfortable sort of thing to say, you know? Yeah, yeah. And um, I just told him, and he said, yeah, but, you know, you've got to realise this guy's a super soldier. He serves his country. This is all he He's a die-hard sort of Republican character all the way through. He might be a really nice guy, but politically, he's way out there to the right. He's not going to be a middle-of-the-road Democrat. Like, they've softened Captain America since then, so he's become more of a centralist rather than the overall political figure he could be seen as before. And Tony Stark's character, the sort of spoiled petulant about it, was the countermeasure of Captain America, I think. And that's how the way the character. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Going back to Black Widow, when did you sort of start, um, what's your relationship with Black Widow? I know, I'd like my relationship with Black Widow. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you would say that. <laughs> uh, of course, of course I was. I'm, you know, I'm a married man who's been married for a half his life. I set him up, you knock him out of the park. <laughs> oh, indeed. Um, no, I. See, Black Widow's one of these characters you was know, always sort of in the background as a member of the Avengers and then she did that um, crime fighting duo thing with Daredevil in San Francisco. Yeah. And I remember reading some of those kind of books and then she sort of became a peripheral character right up until um, Brian Michael Bendis did the dissolution of the Avengers and then he brought the Avengers back and put them back together and that's sort of when I became aware that it was pre the first Civil War but okay. not by a long way until her involvement in my sort of comic book if she goes back to maybe the Civil War and the Avengers Avengers on then that's what 2003 okay I think so 17 years maybe yeah, she was very much a background character wasn't she she was just yeah yeah she was now it's like because Hawk, Hawkeye took tragic center stage in the 70s and 80s and maybe then the 90s she sort of uh in the background then when they killed him when the, uh, when Wanda went nuts and destroyed the Avengers um, and brought him back as Ronin that gave that made Hawkeye much more interesting yeah, you know, yeah. actually brought him back from the dead and he became Ronin and they sort of touch on that in um, Endgame when he's when he goes Ronin to Avengers family that's right Hawkeye, did, yeah, yeah. the original Ronin so I, I just I kind of prefer him as Ronin because he's more of a bastard <laughs> you got, you know, it just suits his character better. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Agreed. Thoughts of the Black Widow movie? Am I going to go see it? I'm going to be on an open night, but. Yeah, hopefully you will be. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> Providing everything's open. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Face mask on. Ten metres away from everybody, getting away from me, you breathing bastard. <laughs> I can't envision life going back to normal. I'm starting to slightly go back to
even 2021 before things start to normalise, people start to go back to offices and things like that. Yeah, yeah, and definitely, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're due a second in summer spike. Yeah. It's just, you know, because people, people become, become complacent. Yeah, they do, yeah. That's, Hello guys, this is Johnny from Astroturn and you are listening to Mass Movement Podcast. But anyway, back on to happier things, everyone won't go to all going to die. <laughs> we're all going to die, but you know. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you were talking about the Star Wars trilogy. Carrying on from last week, um, where we looked at the prequel trilogy. Um, yeah. But with Disney+, Plus, you know, we've all got access to all the Star Wars movies now, and it's just good to sort of have a, uh, a look back now and see how they've aged and whatnot. So we did the prequel trilogy last time round. So now we're doing the, the Holy Grail, the original trilogy. Um, you're you're an OG. You were there in 1977. It was yeah, so 78 when when I see Star Wars because Star Wars didn't actually hit the UK until 1978. That's right, yeah. So it, it came out in the UK in 78, didn't it? And you were you were there in the line, yeah. I, I imagine. Well, I, I mean, we were in the line. Uh, me and my old man went to see it when it because we saw it in um, Wavertree in Liverpool. Right. And. So I think it was January 78. Um, yeah, about January 78. So I was five and a bit. Which gives away my age completely now, but there you go. So yeah, <laughs> five and a bit. And back then, these, like, uh, when you used to go to the cinema, you used to have like programs of film. Mm, so yes, the yeah. program would be like uh, photographs and maybe like bits on the film, a bit of dialogue. And, and so I remember we got a program running through and it just changed my life. Just sat in that seat. When that screen goes up, and then you get a crawl, and the rebel transport goes across, and then your life was literally changed that moment, yeah? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, completely irrevocably changed. And that's crazy, isn't it? You look back on and it's just mental. And then can you leave the cinema thinking, wow, because you know, when do you think you're going to see something like this? Video isn't a thing at the time. So, you know, you know, you have to go back and see it again. So, I went to see it again, but we went to see it twice. And then, I remember, you know, pouring over that program for ages and ages and ages. And then, when we were on holiday in Wales, like North Wales, yeah. that summer, I saw Star Wars things in the shop. Okay. And I had all, all my pocket money that we had managed to just save it, save it, save it, save it, save it, get two Star Wars things. And I had Han Solo on RTD it sounds strange now, doesn't it? But there wasn't a thing. I mean, merch, merchandise, and figures wasn't really a thing then, was it? So to see no, it wasn't. It was to see these. Um, you just watch the movie, and then to be able to buy the figures was uh, yeah. pretty pretty special. Yeah, I just see them in the shop, and then you know realised, oh my goodness, that's amazing. I mean, uh, there was a huge build up after Star Wars. I mean, what was your first experience of Star Wars? Because you, you're I'm an Empire guy. So I saw Empire yeah. in, in the cinema. Um, yeah, so I would have been uh, five at the time, five, six years old at the time. Yeah, yeah and it, again, I don't think I had any Star Wars experience up to that. I think I saw Empire first, so that was a bit confusing. But it didn't matter. Like you, my life was changed. It was sort of, wow, what is going on here? There's lightsabers, there's Yoda, there's Darth Vader, there's, there's Luke. I just wanted to be Luke. Um, just life-changing stuff, and then I watched Star Wars, I believe, the, the original Star Wars. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure I watched it afterwards. Right. Because um, I remember, like, in the run of Empire, you saw, I saw, um, the trailer on some other film, and it seems, the trailer of Empire, and I was the first I knew 
three weeks before the film came out. Yeah. I went to our local news agents, just the road, and there were the paperback and Empire Strikes Back. The book's actually out before the film, and it's by it's by I've still got the book. I've got my copy of it now, and it's Alan Dean Frost. It's probably the book I've read more than any other. You still read it now, do you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I still, I've still got the book now. So it's and I went in there. There's like two copies of this book. I was with my friend Adam, and we both bought this book. Okay, and it's like seventy-five pence or something, which is a ridiculous amount of money. Because it's like, oh, got poundage because it's you know it's it's, it's that thing, it? but it's so yeah, it's seventy-five pence, and then I think just spent the next the rest of the day just reading this book just so we could know what was going to happen. Yeah, you know. Else. So, what's your favourite in the original movie then? Um, what's your favourite moment in the original movie? In, in the original films? Yeah. On the original films? No, no, in, the, in, Star Wars, in Star Wars. In Star Wars, in Star Wars, my favourite moment. See, there's, there's moments now when, when I look at it and I just start to get all misty eyed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. When you first look Skywalker stand up, Twin Sons, that is, just hits me in the feels all the time. Yes, yep, I've got to say that. Um, because it's just, it's one of those moments where you just, it, you, that moment tells you everything you need to know about Luke Skywalker. Yeah. You just, it, it's a masterclass in, 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 I know George Lucas is a great writer, but he got that bit right. Yeah. You know, and Mark Hamill handled it perfectly. I still remember uh, the heartbreak of um, seeing Darth Vader strike down Obi-Wan. Yeah, that upset you, did it? Oh my god, yeah, yeah, that, that really got me. That's it, yeah, because Luke, Luke shouts, no! And, you know, and it's just like, oh my god, I'm seeing, like, you know, one of my heroes die halfway through the movie. <laughs> it's like, I, see, one of my favorite bits is, like, talk about everything you need to know, learning it from one, well, character, and learning it from one scene. Han Solo and Greedo. The minute Han shoots first, you know everything you need to know about it. Yeah, that's and, true, and that's yeah. How, that, that, that's, that's just it, you know. Now we, know, now we know everything we need to know about his character moving forward. Yeah, yeah. And, now let's blow this thing, kid, and get home. You know? Yeah, yeah. And that, that is, yeah. And then his empire obviously took a much darker turn. Um, yeah. And I, up to that point, I don't think I remember, I don't think I'd seen a movie which didn't end happily. And that's what empire does. Um, yeah, but there was, I mean, that, that trait on that sort of 70s dystopian feeling I mean, and it's, it's, it's typical of a, of a middle act of anything you know, yeah, it is yeah. black, yeah. never ends well so here's going to make him come back in the third act and save the day which is the German Jedi yeah but it's yeah that revelation when he said that and go no I am your father and you're what 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 <laughs> holy shit balls what what yeah. no yeah yeah that is that is uh, goosey that is goosey that's a goosey moment and it's, it's the other bit where you see like uh, Darth Vader in his pod when a helmet comes down oh yeah that's dark and his head's all scarred and knackered and you just go like yeah I've learned to spit in my die yeah it instantly makes you want to see the backstory yeah. doesn't it you know you, this guy got a story to tell he got scars in that head you know you know yeah. you want to you want to see more you know or hear more or whatever you know, that's it it kind of sucks you in gently so like so come on yeah. If you're going to see the next film, we'll reveal even more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know you want to do. Oh yes, I do. Take my money. Take my money now. Yeah. <laughs> and obviously Yoda is introduced in Empire. Yeah, yeah.
I prefer Poppy Yoda. Oh, all, all, every, every, all day long, yeah. Rather than like the, that leaping, bounding thing that they turned him into. Yes. Because, you know, that's not how you're supposed to find the lightsaber. There's no way, I'm bleeding on a little just bouncing off the walls and stuff. I'm just not, nah, I'm not buying it that long. No, you, you uh, need to have Frank Oz designed up, up, up his bum. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, so then you, you know, you, what about Return of the Jedi? How did you start to find out about that? So, yeah, obviously at that time I was aware of uh, Empire Strikes Back. Um, I'd seen some sort of, uh, I obviously knew there was going to be a third movie. Yeah. yeah, and I was bouncing off the walls by that point. Uh, I remember going to the cinema, you know, you can, and at that point we were like, this is how it ends. This is how we're going to see the end. We're going to see the end of the story. I loved it. I still love it. I can get behind the Ewoks even. Don't bother me. No, I can't get behind the Ewoks. So I remember with Return of Jedi, um, I was on a make called Todd, right? Yeah. Uh, Rick Bottom Richard Suitcase Todd. Okay, yeah, yeah. And we were in school and he got novelization of Return of the Jedi. Again, picked the book up before anybody else got in. And he spent a lunchtime just hanging out. We turned around to hang out and he was telling me the story because he'd read the novelization. Wow. And I just headed head into town the next day to try and find him, pick up a copy of his book, which I got and read. And it was pretty much what Todd had said, like, and so, so you, you, Dungeons and Dragons and Star Wars. <laughs> so you don't like Ewoks? Did you like the movie in general? Do you like how it ended? Yes, I do. I do. I, I mean, I was aware enough to go. Ah, so Lady Sister, yeah, that changes the first first part of it. I think it changes it quite considerably. You dirty pair of buggers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, they put um, a sister twist in there. It's like, oh no. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I like a good happily ever after, and that's essentially what this film was. And it tied yeah. it off perfectly until the prequels, which there was no need for, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think only, they only made this last trilogy, carrying on from with Ray and, and Finn and, and Poe, because Lucas made the prequels. If he'd gone in this direction, he made Star Wars films like Night of the Old Republic or something, it would have given Disney the freedom to do something different rather than Force Awakens, um, Last Jedi, and um, New York. The Last Jedi? No, Rise of Skywalker. Rise of Skywalker? Rise of Skywalker. Literally, a lockdown's done me, it's turned my brain into jelly. <laughs> I'm literally like some, some tragic monster from a 1950s B-movie. I'm not even a good one. One of the ones that went to a drive and opened up for, <laughs> for a terrible teenage sex comedy. <laughs> Something like that. Are they still your holy trilogy of movies, though? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think so, those three, definitely. Um, there's nothing, there's no other trilogy that's come even remotely close. I mean, I know people will argue to him, but the future, nah, pal, leave, leave it out, give the rest, move away, you know, on your bike. There's good trilogies, so, but then they're, they're, they're not close to Star Wars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, nothing comes, nothing touches them. I mean, now, nah, nothing touches them. Do you notice as well, throughout this no. whole thing, I've avoided saying A New Hope? I know it stands you angry. Yeah, because, oh, mate, it, it's trying to be apoplectic, right? <laughs> Do you know when it came in? Yeah, it came in on so the when, re-release, didn't it? Yeah, so when you, when you don't see, when we saw Star Wars in some original, there was no one new hope on you, it's just That's right, Star yeah. Wars, yeah. episode four. <laughs> Screen call goes, it goes, I'm not it. And new hope was added, because they re-released the film before the Empire Strikes Back. That's right. <laughs> uh, but in cinematic roots and that was the thing that George Lucas argued with he changed the screen core and that was it he called it New Hope 
in I believe 1980 1790 yeah bastard <laughs> 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 no, 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 so uh, we got um, another track from the band we've featured heavily on this podcast because we love them. That's Sleeve. Uh, this song is from the album Don't Expect Anything. This is called Cataracts.
Hi there, this is H from Acid Rain, and you are listening to the Mass Movement Podcast because you're a sensible, clever, smart individual. Okay, so that was Sleeve with Cataracts from Don't Expect Anything. Sleeve of new merch available. If you go to engineerrecords.com, uh, they've got new merch available with all the proceeds going to the, the bail project supporting uh, imprisoned protesters. So uh, that's worth getting on. That's definitely worth getting on. Yeah. Send them money. Send it now. Send it now. Off it goes. Money, money, money. Go, go, go. <laughs> You've been watching Preacher on Amazon Prime. I did. What am I going to do in lockdown? I've got to find a new series. So I watched uh, all four series of Preacher in just over a week. Okay. And um, the... 40, 43 episodes. And I, you know, I've not read the comic. Okay. Um, I, I know that sounds like it's heresy. But, you know, I'm just... For one reason or I've never read Preacher. And then the series comes on, so I just sort of... Gave it a glance when it originally came out and just, and just left it. And now all four series are there and they finished it. I figured, well, there's a beginning and middle end, so let's watch it all. And that's what I did. And it's quite remarkable. <laughs> it's really good. Is it really? Uh, yeah. I mean, Dominic Cooper is in the, as the title role. The title role of the picture. He's great. But man, like, the show is done by Joe Gunn as Cassie the Vampire. He just absolutely steals the show completely. So what's the what's the premise? What's the premise of the movie then? Um, uh, oh, sorry, so, of the series. Um, it's a it's a preacher who used to be an outlaw and he's a preacher without faith. Okay. And um, so they call Genesis Escapes from Heaven and he tries to enter and take over lots and lots of different preachers, but because they're so pure, it ends up destroying them. Goes to Jesse, the preacher, played by Dominic Cooper, and. He manages, he manages to follow the symbiosis of him, and it's literally the, the word of God. So he, when he speaks, he can make any of his head. And um, he ends up teaming up with this vampire called Cassidy and his ex-girlfriend, Tulip, to go and actually find God and kick his ass for making it happen to be on the chit because God's left heaven. Wow, that is awesome. And he's off riding the motorbike somewhere and dressing up in all kinds of... It's just really funny, the situation that God ends up in. That's um, so cool. And like Cassidy is awesome. Like an Irish fan, Irish vampire, he's just obsessed with narcotics. Who, who, who plays Cassidy? Joe Gilgut from Misfits. And I know the guy. Yeah, yeah. Well, God, he's um, uh, he's, he's been in like um, this is England and all that as well, hasn't he? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, there's a line I just kept calling to um, Sean. We got pretty pissed off because it was it's not this vampire house, but he can't relate to the vampire, so he sort of. He goes in there and he's, he's trying to relate to me. He can't get on them, so he buzzes off and he, he's looking for shelter. So he comes back to it, and the old lady in the house comes out. She says, "Oh, are you alright, Mr. Cassidy?" He goes, "No, that's really. I've been smoking crack all day." And I'm feeling the bit off, and he's just like, "Okay, this is what he does. You know, he smokes crack all day. He smokes crack, drinks whiskey, and he's just <laughs> blundering his way through life." And it's like, "Well, yeah, yeah you know, can relate to that kind of thing." Nice. So yeah, it's uh. So that's feature, which is on um, Amazon Prime now, yeah. Yeah, Amazon Prime, yeah, and it's just yeah, really funny, really sharp, really on button. Cool. If you're looking for the best new bands punk and hardcore have to offer, look no further than Engineer Records, sponsors of Mass Movement Presents. So also on Prime uh, is Alex Ryder. 
Indeed. So it's basically okay. it's uh, the it's the series based on the Anthony Horowitz books, yeah. Yeah. So I, I read the Horowitz books. God, years ago. I mean, it's, it's yeah, it'll be well over a decade ago, maybe twelve years ago. They're kind of like a teen. And, uh, I, I haven't read them, but it's, I guess like a, a teen spy, teen James Bond type thing. Yeah, sort of, but it's the set that's really good. The set of actually works in a sort of fantastical, that's completely unbelievable sort of way. Okay. You know, you're, you're brain, you're okay, yes, that could happen to me, yes, why not? Why not indeed? Yes. <laughs> um, and the series is really, really good. I mean, I quite enjoyed Stormbreaker, the film. Oh, yeah. Put it moved this, this, so the origin story in this series is more point blank, which is the second book in the series. The second book, yeah. Yeah, and um, it's just really, it's really well done. I really, really, really enjoyed it. It was sort of one of those things where you go, you know what, definitely, this definitely works um, I think Andy Horowitz is going to be far happier with this than he was with Stormbreaker the film you think? Because it's, oh yeah uh, yeah I mean Stormbreaker's fun but this is really good it's sort of eight, eight episodes and again it's like it was another two day smasher for me I just I started watching it one day and finished the next is that it or is it, yeah. is it it's been renewed or I think it's going to be another series I think they've renewed it I mean you, you should give it a go yeah that's a little one I thought I'd have yeah yeah it's surprisingly dark for a sort of teen young adult show. I was going to say that, yeah, because it's aimed at um, yeah, the teen sort of market, isn't it? But yeah, but it is, it's really dark at times. And at times you go, oh, 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 really? That's a bit uncomfortable. You, you go in there and you, okay, mm, all right. I don't know how I deal with that, but I, you know, mm. so it, it, it can, it sort of straddles that sort of... Uh, the fine lines of it. Yeah, if you're in the cinema, would you give it a 15 rating or would you give it an 18? Oh, I don't know. You know? Yeah, yeah. Think I'd push for the older rating than the younger one, but it's a great show. I, I, it's got my two thumbs up. Go watch it now. <laughs> okay, and that, again, that's on Amazon Prime, yeah? That's on Amazon Prime as well. It's like, you know, I'm getting my money's worth out of Amazon Prime at the moment. Yeah, yeah, Come yeah. on, you bastards. Come on, you time. Oh, cool. Let's have another track, yeah? Yeah, have another track indeed. This is Bear Away. Uh, the song's called Never yep. Complete and from the EP Never in the Same Place. Smash it. Put it up, bud.
Okay, cool. So that was Bear Away with Never Complete. They've got a new 7-inch out now on Engineer Records. Again, go check it out on engineerrecords.com. This is Roger from Agnostic Front. You're listening to Mass Movement Presents. You've been reading House of X. I have. House of X, Power's X. Which sort of compiles the two ongoing series which are interlinked. Well, from last year, which completely bloody reinvents the X-Men and turns the history upside down on its head. Yeah, it was all the um, sort of it was like a relaunch of the X Men, wasn't it? Um, by it was Jonathan Hickman. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I like Hickman stuff anyway, but you know, he loves the minutia things. He loves detail, and it, he goes into so much detail about this. It's, in this, it's absolutely unbelievable. It completely subverts the, X, the, the the sort of traditional model of the X Men. So you've got Xavier, Magneto's enemies. That doesn't happen, and there's a reason for it not happening. Um, and the whole event's being pushed together and pulled together by um, somebody who you wouldn't even think, oh my goodness, she now plays like a central role to the whole thing. And it's such wow. a fantastic way of looking at it. It's all about uh, divergent timelines and readjusting and trying to. So is that what? Is that like um, a total rethink or are they just sort of alternate timeline um, sort of thing? It's a completely alternate timeline. It, it changes everything. Completely for the X Men. Wow. Okay. Um, and it's based in three t- separate timelines, so it's year ten, year hundred, year thousand. So it's wow. Tenth year of the X Men and the hundredth year of after the X Men, um, and after the thousandth year. And there's all sorts of weird things like there's a massive war between mutants and humanity. Yeah. Humanity teaming artificial intelligence to fight mutants and trying to find the natural next step in evolution of mutants, the next step in evolution is artificial intelligence, the next step in evolution it questions the nature of intelligence, it questions the nature of sentience, it questions what life is and how we understand it and what it could be and what it should be it's just immensely clever so this carries on from the story arc that he started in uh, the New Avengers comic uh, which ended in Secret Wars yeah? yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, it carries on from there you can read it as a separate whole. Okay. Um, and it's been released as a sort of massive uh, graphic novel now. It's like a 12 issue arc with tons of background information and cover galleries and all sorts of things. Um, there's, you know, there's two versions. There's the one that Marvel have released, which is like a massive hardback, hugely expensive. And there's one that Panini have done, which is far more affordable. That's the one I'd go for. Okay. Because, so, you know, money and I'm tight. <laughs> what do you think? Do you think there's a bigger picture behind this with X Men? Do you think they, you know, um, the relaunch yeah, I, and they'll maybe do the, the movies from I'm this? Or? If Rue isn't to be believed, it's got no part in, in sort of the movie thing at the moment. Um, but there's that Wolverine series on Spotify, isn't there? Um, yeah. Which stars Richard Armitage from Lord of the Rings and Spooks and stuff. Yeah, yeah. He's Logan that um, and I believe there was a rumour on some quite reputable sites that they started casting for Logan over at Disney okay so they started looking at potential castings for yeah for Wolverine wow that's interesting um, yeah X-Men is probably going to hit the screen a lot sooner than we thought it was going to hit the screen because it's, it's like you know with lockdown you've got all these screenwriters and somebody just goes put this into development do this mm. do that yeah. What can you do with this? What can you do with that? And everybody can do from home sort of auditions, can't they? Yeah, so. of course. 
X-Men are one of those franchises that need, need a bit of love, like Fantastic Four. They need a bit of love, don't they? Oh, Fantastic Four needs a lot of love. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's not been a, a successful Fantastic Four movie yet. I mean, I like the first two X-Men films on first class half, like pretty much. Uh, I like the Wolverine films a lot. Yeah, they're pretty good. I was, you know, I, I, I shed a little tear at the end of Logan, I will admit. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's going to be difficult to imagine anybody else in the role of sort of Wolverine other than Hugh Jackman. Oh, he's so he's good. Been, he? He's made that role his own yeah. for so long. Yes, yeah. So it's not like, you know, some, whoever steps into that role has got mighty big shoes to fill. They've yeah. got a real uphill battle. They've really got to struggle to get it done. Yeah. Just, just, it's just going to be tough all the way. Hard to change everything, and it's, it's a book you should read. Cool. Hi, this is James from Widows, and you're listening to the Mass Movement Podcast, you lucky devils. Disney Plus, um, their latest offering has been uh, Artemis Fowl. Um, we well, both watched, I've watched this, you've watched this. Um, yeah. You a fan of the uh, Owen Colfer books? I am. Yeah? I am. <laughs> I love the Owen Colfer books. Um, um, when we saw Hollywood Cornwall, I had, we had them on audiobook as well, and that's how she won started loving the old golf books because you could hear them okay. as, as audio books um, and the books are funny they're warm they're sort of subversive you know they the humor's dark and it's delicious and they sort of not following the norm and it takes fairy stories and turns them out completely the film I thought was a mess absolute bloody mess didn't know what it wanted to be from beginning to end yeah, that's where I got. I was, I, I was watching it and didn't really. It just didn't click. No, you, it's difficult to engage with the film because because they're trying to throw too much in the screen at once, and you have no sort of context with which to engage with these characters. Yeah, so yeah. Slapped. It felt rushed. It felt all over the place. And then you think that's why they pushed out on the on Disney Plus. They didn't wait for a year to put it in the cinema because it's just it's not good. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I mean, I've I've been aware of the books. I've I've never read them. Uh, just working in a bookshop, like well, bookshop for years. I've been aware really of them. Enjoyable. What's that? You should you should read them, mate. They are really really enjoyable. I, I, I thoroughly recommend it by me. Thumbs up. Read the books. Oh yes, 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 yes. <laughs> yeah, but there's, no, see, there's just, a film. It, it, a lot of star power. Judy Dench, Colin Farrell. Uh, yeah. Somebody else I can't remember. But it just um, yeah, it just didn't click. It was like sort of. I don't know what I was trying to be. I don't think going for the Harry Potter sort of crowd and just failing right. miserably. I don't know. Yes, they, 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 yeah, that, that, that's actually a pretty good analogy. Um, it's Disney wanting to do Harry Potter yeah. and missing the boat completely because it just doesn't work. It's not supposed to be Harry Potter. Yeah. You know, Arthur's foul is supposed to be an arch criminal, a proper anti hero, and. Um, Harry Potter in love with a little wizard. So you can't launch <laughs> your band based on a criminal mastermind. Yeah. You know, because he is, he is, by nature, he's not a likeable character. He's an anti hero, so. Yeah, he comes from a long line of anti heroes as well, doesn't he? It's, um... Yeah, yeah, so younger kids aren't going to get in, and teenagers are going to look cool, but it's got fairies in it, so maybe it's not for me. Yeah. You know, <laughs> that's why it works better in the books, because it's far darker. Yeah. Than the film would lead to believe it. you know even directed by Kenny Vanagan it, 
You shouldn't watch a movie and have that sort of every five minutes. Hang on, what, what, what's going on? You know, it, sh- it shouldn't be like yeah. that. It, it should all flow yeah, and. Right, and it, it felt like what, watching Bloody Mary Poppins again, or Mary Poppins Returns again, all <laughs> yeah. over again. Just like, oh my yeah. God, the last two major live action films, they're shite. Well, Joe, they're gonna they're gonna hit. They can't all be winners, can they? So. No, no, but I, I'd like to see the next one be great. Yeah. You know, watchable. Yes. Enjoyable. Yeah. That's what I would like. So it's a rare thumbs down for something on Disney for us then? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, after the fall, read the books, don't watch the film. Okay. <laughs> That's what I'd say. Cool. Literally, just avoid the film and put, mo- put money in Owen Coffer's pocket and read the books because he's a fantastic author and the books will make you laugh like there's no tomorrow. God knows you need to laugh at the moment. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Let's, uh, let's have a third track, shall we? It's from Lighthammer, yeah, Cardiff Boys. Um, their debut album is out very, very soon. We've got an interview coming up on the next right. episode. Da, da, da. This is called Navigating the Stratosphere, and it's from their debut album, Galaxy.
Okay, that was Light Hammer with Navigating the Stratosphere. Um, the new album, as I, as I said before, the new album is coming out. The, well, the debut album is coming out. Um, right. Light Hammer, they're three-piece from Cardiff. They play sort of stoner rock, but with you don't see positivity in, in stoner rock, really. Um, but these right. guys do it. Uh, they're all about their space enthusiasts, as you might uh, gauge by the name and everything else. Nothing wrong with that. Nice to be like, nice to be enthusiastic about the cosmos, sir. Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. As far as we're concerned, that's that's uh, that's a winner by us. Because like I said, they got the stone, they got riffs for, for riffs for years. Right. But as I say, they they're, they're quite uplifting too, which is um, different in the stone rock world. Kind of, they remind me a little bit of Kylesa, maybe Torch a little bit. That sort of that that oh, Okay, so but are the advocates of the of the hippie legacy? Uh, I, do you know what? I think they may have been at some point in their lives. I could not. I do know. I ask them. I endeavour to ask them. There's an interview coming up with them uh, next episode, so I will definitely ask them that. So, are you fans of the hippie lettuce? <laughs> yeah. That'll be my first, first question, Tom, I promise. From Tim. Oh, mate, I ain't because I got, I got so uh, wasted. Like, me and Rod, like, Former stoner band? God no. <laughs> I mean, I appreciate some of the riffs. You know, dun, 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 dun. oh, I like that. Dun, 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 dun. And then start singing my smoke. No, we no, 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 no. Off to Amsterdam and a sex museum. You I'll have another ask. You know, I, 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 mean, I like the Netherlands too. I quite like Amsterdam, but not for the same reasons you like Amsterdam. <laughs> That's just rumours now, now. Right, anyway, let's move on. We're going on a regular feature um, every, every every episode now where we're going to sort of take a deep dive into um, the history and backlog of a, back catalogue of a band. We thought we'd start. Uh, we're sick of it all. they got a new video out this, this week while in lockdown, which is a great video. Yeah, I'll probably get on the side, mate. Yes, that's right, you did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's on the side. You want to go to mass movement. Uh, you'll see you see the video there. Yeah, but Sick of Roll, Tim, what's your history with Sick of Roll? Well, I'm not cool enough to have got the first seven inch on Revelation, but I got, um, got certain tears on cassette, which was on, in, um, in effect. Yeah, it was in effect, yeah. Um, which is cool as hell. I mean, we could, you told me they were just a really fast New York hardcore band, and then they, we heard they were touring the UK, and they, Torn on the back of the Just Look Around EP. Yeah. So this is what, 93? Three? Yeah. And they played bogeys. And went to see them there. And I've seen them multiple times since. So yeah. 27, 28 years I've seen such a long. Damn, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So exactly the same as me. Well, I, 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 yeah, Just Look Around was my intro. Um, yeah. And the, the bogeys gig. 
Um, which, which is actually on YouTube. Have you seen it on YouTube? Yeah, I see it on YouTube. You'll probably, can't, you'll probably see me in there, and along with um, John Evans and <laughs> Chuggo, the drummer from Charlie Sunday Christ, his first stage guy from Face Plant, off the stage. <laughs> but it's such a good band. They're just consistently good. Consistently good. Oh, they just, I don't know. I don't really know how to do bad. What amazed me when I went to see them in um, my song and Bonies was I didn't realise the creative Charlie was becoming a bass player. Okay, yeah. At the time. So, because um, me, Craig Satari was, was the bass sound on that first Youth Day album, Break Down the Walls. Yeah. I, I adore that album. And these pictures of Craig, you see him leaping through the air, and then I find out he's in straight ahead, so I've got the straight ahead stuff uh, via tape trading. And then he joined Agnostic Fan. So, as far as I knew, in my head, because news always filtered through, you know, really slowly and stuff, Craig Ahead was still in. Agnostic front, but then to see Craig ahead on stage was sick of it all. It's like, oh my god, I'm seeing you know, yeah, bass playing idol is up there doing this, and I'm 15 feet from him. And you know, another little interesting aside there the band who supported them, I'm saying Ironside, Ironside, yeah, yeah, Tom was in there, Chapman, oh, Chapman. Right, yes, yes, of course, he was, yes, he was, yeah, yeah, <laughs> he, was, he, he was playing that show, man. man. Realistically, that's the first time I've been to Tom before he joins me event when he's living in Germany later on. That's so cool. That show was mental. And you know, Sick Roll never failed to bring it. They're always on these bands who just deliver on all sort of fronts and never ever look back at what they've done in the past and think, oh, well, we should imitate that and maybe like that. They, they incorporate their past into what they're doing in the present and it just shows with everything they do. Yeah. Um, I mean, I do. You know, I've been fortunate enough to, to interview them a couple of times. And when I say interview them a couple of times, I mean I've been fortunate enough to interview Craig Satari Nice. Of times. <laughs> I, mean, I know it sounds terrible, but every time like, I've been asked, oh, who do you want to speak to for the matter? I go, can I speak to Craig Satari too? <laughs> now, that was like the first time. And I believe that was like 1998, uh, 1999 maybe. Okay. And the first time they played TJ's. Yeah, um, I remember that. Went up to meet him and interview Craig there. Oh, that was fun. That was fun because they were all re they were all really really sweet guys. They are just you know everything you think they're going to be. They are. I was working out. Um, I think the first. I think that the band I've seen most as well. I must have seen Sycamore going on fifteen twenty times. Well, yeah, because well, why would you not? You know what I mean? Yeah. Every time they roll through, you go, yeah, I'm going to go see them. It's like when, every time they roll through, yeah, I'm going to go see them. Yeah, exactly. Every time yeah. Bad religion roll through, yeah, I'm going to go see bad religion. It's what. 28 times I've seen Bad Religion or something ridiculous like Yeah. It's because they're the, every time they put a new album up, the new album's good. And their live show yeah. is consistently energetic and good. And they're fun to watch. And Lou Collar could be a comedian. He's funny as hell. Well, that's it. And they're all dudes. I mean, so we're, we're in our, I'm in my late 40s. You're in your early 30s. Yeah. And you're still going to see Bad Religion yeah and they would shame bands half their age absolutely you what's know? your favourite uh, Sick Roll album? my favourite Sick Roll album is Built to Last ok I think I would go <laughs> Just Look Around or Scratch the Surface um, I, it's a tie between those I, can, I really can't I, I can't decide scratch which one Scratch the Surface has a definitive Sick Roll track on right 
Step down. Step down. Yeah. Yeah. Built to Last does not have one track where you go, okay, I can skip that. I mean, you have, it's one of those records you've got to put it on and listen to it from beginning to end. Is it on Epitaph or Fat Wreck? It's Fat Wreck. Do you remember there was a bit of a pushback from the hardcore crowd, wasn't there, when they signed to... Uh... Well, yeah. I, 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 again, I don't get why. No. You know, because it, it's, it's a punk rock label, and sick and roll of a... You know, we've got massive punk rock roots. What's the problem? We're on this label. We're bringing a hardcore sensibility. This label looking good riddance on it at this one point. So, yeah, yeah it's, I, I never got that, you know? No, I didn't have a problem. I, I never got it, no. Yeah. 
priced obviously as a pioneer of that whole scene. Yeah. You know? Not really a fan of the whole HA thousand thing. Okay. Like arcades and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Because it's just like, ooh, let's swing our arms about a bit and be a bit mean. Because, <laughs> yeah. uh, when, we, when we were first, like, 99. Yeah, man, yeah. And Ar- was it Archangel or whatever that year? Archangel, yeah. Um, Good year that was. And they just bought, they bought that piss out of me. They were dreadful. <laughs> <laughs> didn't you say Death Metal died in 1989 for you? Oh, Death Metal died before that. But the, the last great Death Metal, death metal album for me was Schizophrenia by Sepultura. Okay. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> After that, all bollocks. Okay. I have no time for it whatsoever. So you'll have no interest in the next band then? Probably not, too, are they? <laughs> they're called the Zazel. They're from the UK. Right. They're deathcore, which is, yeah, as I say, there's a mix between death metal and sort of, you know, beat down sort of style hardcore. They've got a new single and video out now called Cocoon. And I had a chat with them a couple of weeks ago. So check it out. Hello, Sam. It's Chris from Mass Movement. How are you doing, mate? You okay? Yeah, I'm not too bad, mate. Thank you. Yourself? Yeah, not so bad, mate. Not so bad. We'll take it from the top then. Tell us about uh, the, the, you know, how did uh, Azazel come to be? Tell us about the start. Tell us a bit about yourself, first of all. So the band originally came to be in about 2013. So it was originally myself, a guitarist Jack, and a former vocalist. It was just the three of us. We released a rough version of a song we later released as our first single back in 2013. Okay. And obviously we took that down when we got a full lineup and came back a bit stronger a few years later. So you've got a new singer, is that right, from that time? Yeah, that's correct. So our original vocalist left after about a year with ourselves. We took another about a year with our current vocalist as the fill-in, just looking around, and then it got to the point where we managed to persuade him to actually join us. (laughs) Excellent. So, I mean, it's, yeah, yeah. I mean, it sounds brutal the stuff I've been hearing, but um, oh, he's, he's a demon, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've clearly got both got sort of you've all got metal and hardcore influences going on in your music. Yeah, definitely. What came first for you guys? Was or was it? Or what was the first sort of album you got into uh, that got you into heavy music, sort of thing? For myself, at least, I think the first album was. The Corn's Greatest Hits album. Okay. My uncle's very much into metal and he always has been his whole life. So I used to spend quite a lot of my time around there. And then obviously as I was growing up, I was being around him and he was playing all that music and I was like, hold on, that's a bit, it's a bit much that, I quite like that. And that's <laughs> where it all came from. Okay, cool. And um, so what about the rest of the guys? Is it sort of, is, is you know, is there any sort of differing influences there at all or? No, we all sort of, it was all, for all of us around the school age, going up to secondary school, where we all got exposed to that sort of thing. And obviously, when you're going around that time, you go through the normal. You start off with your bands like Slipknot, Corn, System of a Down, and stuff like that. Yeah. And then the more gigs you go to as you're getting older, the more other bands you see, and you think, hold oh, on, they sound a bit different. And then you start looking into that, and that's when it just opens page after page, doesn't it? Uh, okay, yeah, 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 very much so. So like, it just ex- starts off with the normal exposure, and then obviously you just become succumb to all the other different stuff. Of course, yeah. So we've yeah. all got a bit of a mix in between us, that's why we sound... All of our songs have sort of got a different sound to them, while also sounding Michael's. Yeah. I think that's because we've all got our different musical inspirations while all within the same sector. Okay, cool. So you, you said you, you all knew each other at school, yes? Yeah? So you've, you've known each other all year? Uh, not all from year. school, no, sorry, I'm just saying that. We're all... A few of us have been mates since we're about 16. Oh, okay. And then... One of our guitarists, we sort of met him a bit later as the band was fully starting up. Nice. And you, so you came yeah. up, you came up in like the what was it Nottingham? Are you from? Is that? 
That's correct, yeah, we're all from Nottingham. Is there, I mean, there's a big sort of deathcore scene in the UK at the moment developing. Um, what are the bands? Are any other bands emerging from up, up around your place? As far as emerging, there's a band about to come about there called the Draconian Rain. Okay. They used to be called the Frozen Affliction a few years ago, and they were quite big when MySpace deathcore was sort of a thing. Yeah, yeah. So looking forward to see what they've got coming out. But other than that, we're the only sort of really heavy band from around that area. Okay, cool. Well, you, you've hooked up with the, um, the guys from Malevolence on a track, haven't you, before now? Uh, Alex. Uh, we have, yeah. Like I was saying earlier about how we dropped that first single and then re-brought it out a few years later. That was the one. Right, okay. So originally it was a bit of a shorter song and it wasn't as hardcore as it is now. And obviously we put the hardcore element to it and we're trying to think of who we could get on the track. And obviously I just mentioned Alex from Malevolence and it all clicked in the head like, yeah, that's a perfect guy. So did and you know those guys tr- beforehand or was it just sort of you just approached them for the no, track? I just or? dropped him a message on the off chance nice and he was saying we don't normally do I don't accept things that feature not unfortunately I was like no fair enough and I was like you know what just drop it in the track so I dropped it in and sent him and I was like you know what yeah I dig it I'll do it so I just went on from there sweet oh, that's cool it's cool when they, you know, they, they just you know they're willing to do stuff like that yeah definitely their new album their new album or the new EP uh, it's sick um, oh it's, it's sublime isn't it it's going to take them to that next level it's got to They've got to get a major label for their next release, surely. I would have thought so, yeah, yeah. There's not a UK band that deserves it more than them. Yeah, you're right, I agree. Yeah, totally. Been relentless for the last few years. They have, yeah, yeah. So back to you guys. Um, Your single yeah, and yeah. video for Cocoon uh, is out now. Uh, yes. With a pretty harrowing video to accompany the, what's a, a brutal <laughs> yeah. track anyway, you know. Um, yeah. Who came up with the idea with the, with the video? Was that uh, a collective thing or was it somebody on, on the outside or...? So the video idea mainly didn't actually go how we wanted to do it. We wanted to make it a lot more dark, but when it came down to the actual practicalities on the day, it just wasn't viable. Okay. So we had the ideas of how we how the cocoon itself is in the video. Yeah. That was always going to be that way. It was just going to be sort of held up and levitating in the middle, like just sort of levitating, being held up by different poles and stuff like that. Wow. So it was actually just wriggling around and then it'd eventually all drop out onto the floor, but <laughs> it just sounds a lot better on paper. We got there on the day, it just wasn't happening, so we just ended up <laughs> with what it is now. It's just, it was just a practical thing, you just couldn't uh, couldn't go there. Yeah, really. it's just taking it from paper to reality, we ended up with what we've got, but we couldn't be happy with the turnout in the end. Sure, yeah, yeah. Loki, like you can go to him with an idea and he will make it work. Okay, cool. Yeah, I mean, did you have fun on the shoot? Yeah, we had a wicked time. We've shot with Sean before. He's the one that did the Malevolence video, so it's nice to ah, okay, have someone that you're friendly with to work with. Where was the shot? It looks like in like an old warehouse or something, was there? Or? It's in an industrial unit. Okay. It's like a cold freezer area. So right. the actual room that we were in was minus degrees and it was freezing. We were in there for hours on that day just shooting it. <laughs> Sprouting it all come out with pneumonia. <laughs> so um yeah i mean as i said just said uh, cocoon is really sort of uh, it's a brutal track um yeah, it takes on a, a new level of heaviness almost like which is a slight change of direction which you alluded to earlier was that sort of like um planned did you want to go heavier or was it just a natural progression or yeah we are planning on keeping it this way so cocoon's one of many tracks that we've got to come nice i can't really say much more on that as of yet until we've yeah. Announced and ironed out details. Of course, yeah. We've got a fair few tracks that have done, ready to go, depending on whether it's a video that's needed or just the publicity that we need to sort out or anything like that. But I'd say they do gradually get heavier as we're planning on releasing them. It gets heavier? Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, I know, honestly. That, 
Cocoon is nothing compared to what we've got coming. <laughs> it's just that was just our way of saying, "Here's Tristan. Here's what he can do. Yeah, here's yeah. what to expect from us going forward." Like an intro. Yeah, basically. That's cool, man. That's awesome. It's pre-eating the oven. A lot of bands tend to be doing this now, don't they? This like you know, just putting out um, you know odd tracks, like a, a single track with a single video, as opposed to like an EP or an album. Yeah, I think at the minute it's hard to get bigger sort of bigger releases are harder to get heard by people yeah it's a lot easier to get a single out there and get that heard so if you're pouring your heart into eight to ten tracks you're releasing eight to ten tracks that you've put all your hard work and effort and money into you'll probably get three of them heard that's very true yeah 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 so i can understand why i think at least at the minute it's just a lot easier for bands to do the shorter EPs and the singles because it just gets them in the limelight for a bit longer. I think people consume music differently as well these days, don't they? Um, yeah, definitely. Especially when every band's trying to be as heavy as they are. It's not that easy to put on a 10-track and listen to it all the way through sometimes. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So um, up till now, what's been your favourite sort of tour or show? Anything stand out? Oh, Four in the Brawl Festival. We played both 2018 and the last one on 2019 for that. All that's right. in Manchester. They've probably been our best shows to date, and then we also did a tour with a band called Gassed Up. They're sort of a hardcore yeah. I, I, I put those on uh, last year in Cardiff. Hell of a band. Oh, what the was that? Sorry. Uh, I put Gassed Up on in Cardiff the end of last year. All right. Um, yeah, so we came to Wales with Gassed Up. When was that? I think we played Newport, I think it was. That oh, was okay, yeah. April last year. Yeah, 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 okay. Yeah, so that's the best tour we've done. We had that, and they were, got on with them from the first five minutes we met them. Yeah, they're good guys, isn't they? It yeah. was just perfect. They're really good guys. Yeah, we still talk off and now. Yeah? Still got... Yeah, still keeping contact. So how, how's, been the, how's the band been coping since uh, the coronavirus outbreak? All right, you know, surprisingly. <laughs> Yeah, you're, we you're still in contact, yeah, contact and... over video chat and stuff like that. Yeah. Obviously, we can't meet up and have a band practice or anything. Yeah, that's right. Have you had to cancel any shows because of it, or is it putting any plans back? Or Yeah, so we were meant to play Tech Fest this year, which was oh, our biggest no. break yet. Unfortunately, that's been cancelled now due to it. Yeah. But we've been going to that festival as punters for years, all of us. Yeah. So it was like a really big thing that we were super excited about. Oh, and then we just saw the statement get released a few days ago. So we all just felt our stomachs drop. Like we knew it was coming, but we just didn't want to see it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's a sickness, that is. Yeah, it's not good. But other than that, we had a we're going to tour with a band called Depravity. They're from Essex. Yeah, okay. We had an April tour planned with them, but obviously that had to come through as well. Yeah, yeah. Same for everyone, isn't it? Just yeah. caught everyone off guard, but knowing they're prepared enough for it. And like bands like yourself as well, they you know that. You need you know, that exposure. It helps you, doesn't it? You know that. Like, oh, definitely. Success, you know? Especially when you're dropping your singles and stuff like that. That's a perfect yeah. time to go and get out. Yeah, I, 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 there's been a few bands in so you know similar to you guys, uh, as in you know the level that they're at, where they you know they were yeah. looking forward to their big break this year. And yeah, that was it. We were hoping window, that you know? this year would be a year sort of thing, but it looks like it's not going to be anyone's year. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So where Just are you? It's what? all going to be all the more fierce next year for competition, doesn't it? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So where are your plans for after lockdown then? After lockdown, we're hoping, depending when it's going to be, yeah. we don't really know. We're going to get at least one other track out. Okay. But That's after lockdown, hoping, is it? Or? Uh, probably before. Oh, cool. So we're hoping to not have to, we wanted to be out and about and active, but it's a case of we waited so long without releasing anyway. We don't want to keep that up. We want to keep proving that we've got the material to put out course, and yeah. actually put it out there and get it out there to the people so they're not thinking, well, they've not released a song in six months. What's going on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. So are you looking to get back on the road? I mean, say, if they if, if they lifted it in two months, say... Oh, 100%. Yeah, back on the road, yeah? The, the second we can get back on the road, we will be. We've had a couple of shows come across to us for September, October that are pencilled in, but it's no guarantee of whether they'll be able to happen or not. Exactly, yeah. You, you, I, I, I promote shows as well, and it's, uh, you can't yeah. guarantee anything at the moment. It's a nightmare. Yeah, it is. So... Um, so it's the last last question. It's sort of like a, a fun one. Um, if you could put together right. a sort of dream package tour, you and three other bands, who would you want to who would you want to tour with? Are we doing big or underground bands? Yeah, whatever, whatever. Dead, alive, small, oh. underground, whatever. Big, <laughs> it doesn't matter. Oh, <laughs> I think it'd have to be have to be Whitechapel just because they were the first yeah. super heavy band that really got me into deathcore and stuff. I think This Is Exile was the first song I heard and I just full on shit my pants. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it'd have to be Whitechapel on there. Good start, yeah. I'd probably go for OG Slipknot lineup too if possible. Yeah, okay. Yeah, just because obviously they are the biggest and the best and they're probably not going to get taken from that throne anytime soon. Yeah. I don't think there'll be another band to have such an impact on the metal community that that band have. That's right. I mean, they influence so many, so many bands. Oh, so many. So many. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's crazy. Even still now, they're releasing stuff that sounds like they could have released it 20 years ago, but it's still relevant now. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. insanely hard to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, it's longevity, isn't it? It's, it's the long game. And the, yeah, that's it. And they've survived so far, so um, with minimal band yeah. changes. So, so on, one more band yeah. Third one, I'd probably have to go Traitors. Nice, okay. They're a new age sort of band from America. Yeah. They're, without a doubt, the heaviest, angriest band I've ever heard. So it'd be Slipknot, Whitechapel, Traitors, you and yourselves, yeah? Yeah. Sounds good to me. I'd pay to go see that. <laughs> oh, yeah, 100%. <laughs> I'd pay to go see it and I'd be playing it. <laughs> all right, mate. That's it. That's, uh, that's all. Thank you very much. Cheers for that, mate. Nice one. Look after yourself, all right? And uh, hopefully I'll you see too. you, uh, I'll see you yeah. um, on the road somewhere. Yeah, nice one, mate. Hopefully see you down in Wales. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Cheers, mate. Take care. Nice one, Chris. Cheers, mate. Bye-bye. Bye-bye now. Okay, cool. So that was Azazel. Go check them out. Check out their new video, Cocoon. And thanks for the interview, guys. If you're looking for the best new bands punk and hardcore have to offer, look no further than Engineer Records, sponsors of Mass Movement Presents. And that's about it from us, but before we go, we got to tell you about our Patreon page. We want you to get involved with us. <laughs> that's so saucy. <laughs> <laughs> we want you to get involved with us. Tell us what sexiness you want us to <laughs> Well, you know, that's, that's what Tim's offering. <laughs> Mate, people be like, I'll give you a pound doctor be on my TV. <laughs> we've hooked up with engineer records put together some packages so we can make the yeah. whole mass movement present a bit more interactive you know and we can we want to reward you for listening to us so basically there's if you go to the yeah yeah for putting up our shit yeah you go to patreon.com forward slash mass movement you'll see there's three packages available they're five pound ten pound and fifteen pound per month for you to join with all sorts of incentives going including free stuff from Engineer Records, a birthday present from us, shout-outs on the podcast, all sorts of cool stuff that we can, we want to give to you guys. Obviously, in return, you'll be helping the uh, the upkeep of this podcast, which is not cheap. Uh, we love doing it, but it's, it, needs, uh, it, needs, it needs upkeep, doesn't it, Tim? It does, indeed. It needs, needs a bit of boosting, so come on, boost it up, boost it up. And if you want to advertise with us, record labels, breweries, anybody like that, drop us a line, and I'm sure we can sort of that out for you on the cast line. 
Yeah, again, yeah. Like, like, like Tim said, yeah, drops a line, email is chris at massmovement.co.uk or tim at massmovement.co.uk. There's advertising space open to anyone and everyone. If you're we're into coffee, we're into beer, we're into music, we're into books, and we want to work with you, so drops a line, guys. Indeed. So I think it's about time for shout outs, brother. It is. As always, we'll shout out uh, NG Records. Being cool and just supporting us and get behind the shenanigans and not trying to go and do dogs every <laughs> other week. So cheers, <laughs> guys. Thank you to uh, Azazel. Um, yeah, and basically just all you cool cats out there who's stuck in lockdown, want the rest of us. Hang tight, hang in there, and I'm sure we'll all get through it sometime soon. We will. So until next time, stay safe, and we'll see you soon. Ta-ta. Bye-bye. Mass Movement Presents. Mass Movement Presents.